Elizabeth Evans and I'm a homeschooling mom of four young kids. I'm figuring this out as I go, but I'm here to talk to Bonnie, who has been writing and speaking on the subject for over a decade and has been homeschooling for three decades. My name's Bonnie Landry. I've got seven kids. They're ages 13 to 33. I've been homeschooling for 29 years. I'm a wife, a mom, a grandma, um, I'm a speaker and a writer, and I'm an advocate of joy. So uh, we're here to provide this podcast so that homeschooling can look like you imagined it to be. We're very excited to have Michael Foley here um, on our as our guest today. And Michael is the author, this is how I know him, he's the author of a book called Drinking with the Saints, uh, The Sinner's Guide to a Holy Happy Hour. It's a really beautiful book, um, and I might even say kind of Bible-like in its presence. <laughs> Was that, you know, sort of intentional, Bible-like or, or uh, you know, Book of the Saints? Um, and before I, I'd like to introduce Michael, it was, I went on his website to, um, to find out some information ab about Michael. And I found that you quite neatly avoid any personal information about yourself <laughs> on your website. I thought, okay, well, that's not helpful. Um, so I went on to Facebook to see if I could, you know, creep around on your Facebook page, see if I could find anything <laughs> personal. <laughs> I still couldn't. So um, what happened was I found out that you have a wife and you have, looks like several children, unless you borrowed other people's children. I don't know. Six of them to be exact. Nice. Okay. <laughs> it's a beautiful number. And um, anyway, you know, failing that, I went into Amazon and I thought, okay, you're an author. Maybe Amazon has a little write-up or a bio or something. Um, what I found out is there's a lot of Michael Foley's <laughs> on Amazon. So there's a Michael Foley who's written a book on obstetrics. Um, I didn't think that was you. And a Michael Foley who's written a book on fishmongering um, as a family tradition. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> Uh, poetry, and then of course there's the whole Drinking with the Saints and its series of books, uh, Drinking with Saint Nick, uh, Drinking with a Patron Saint, but there's also a children's book which looked like it was you. So do you want to um, maybe just mention that book? Is it new? Yes, so that came out a couple years ago. It's nice. called Gus Finds God, and believe it or not, it is based on book 10 of St. Augustine's Confessions. <laughs> It is a journey through memory, and uh, we adapted it to a children's book. It was kind of a weird project, but a lot of fun. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to read it. And, uh, and then a number of sort of theological books, which um, in, a, in a little bit you can... Oh, what a great wife! <laughs> so, this is my wife, Alexandra. Hi, nice to meet Hi. you, Alexandra. I'm Bonnie. Hello. Elizabeth. I'm Elizabeth. Hi, nice to meet yeah. you. Cheers. Nice to meet you. <laughs> talking with my so, cocktail for tonight. We're having a Manhattan this Nice. Week. Okay. Ooh. Got that beautiful Manhattan color. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Hi. Okay. Nice to meet you. Um, so, uh, yeah. So that's, I couldn't dig up a lot of info. So we're going to get you to provide some of the context here. Yeah. So tell us about yourself and how you got into this intriguing writing these books <laughs> well bonnie already mentioned one of the reasons why i turned to drinking i have six <laughs> children. six children <laughs> and, love and it to add to the incentive for drinking we homeschool so you do reasons. okay i did not know you were a homeschool family that's great okay 
I thought this might not be relevant to homeschoolers, but clearly it is. <laughs> no, and by the end of the day, it is Alexandra who needs the drink more than I do. But uh, my, uh, my family and I love to observe the various customs and feasts of the church year. And yeah. there is a lot of wonderful information about how to do that. And there are dozens of Catholic cookbooks that will say, hey, bake a cake for St. Honoratus on his feast day. And we love to do that, but we also, my wife and I, love an evening cocktail. Getting together at the end of the day, catching up on our day. We call it sort of the adult swim. We, we block the kids out. Let's just talk, see, catch up on the day. Yeah. So basically, it was only a matter of time before we brought those two things together, uh, drinking and the feast days. And so when I had the idea for drinking with the saints, I went online and I saw lots of stuff on Catholic cookbooks, but no Catholic bartender's guide. And I thought, yeah. ah, this is a lacuna that needs to be filled. <laughs> yeah. we, have a, we have a niche here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My husband, my husband has drinks daily for same reason. We've got four kids, um, but I got the drinking with St. Nick for him, I think last year. And so this year he's working his way through it. So I think he's on day three. Um, oh, awesome. if he has the stuff for it, he usually tries to shop for everything a week in advance, but sometimes he <laughs> you've, you've really had a big impact on the Catholic world. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I will tell you how I found your book. Um, we, about five years ago, my mom wanted to host a Downton Abbey party. Okay. Now I had not been a Downton Abbey watcher. Okay. Uh, and so, but she wanted to have it at our house. It was sort of going to be family and extended family. She wanted to have it at our house. And um, I didn't really realize why until I started watching it, but we kind of have this big living room with big dark wood bookcases and, you know, you know, hundreds of books and all that. And, and I thought, oh, okay, I get it. She wants to have it here because it looks like his library. <laughs> and, um, and so anyway, I thought I better start watching Downton Abbey, you know, and we became, anyway, we got hooked on Downton Abbey, right? But what one of my first thoughts after the first few episodes is, wow, do these guys ever drink a lot? <laughs> They drink about everything, you know, and um, and then I thought, okay, if we're having a Downton Abbey party, I want to learn to make some cocktails. Really, the only cocktail that I drink is a martini, which I never actually made myself, you know, but I would get a martini if I was out somewhere. Um, so I started uh, sort of researching, um, you know, kind of vintage cocktails that would be appropriate to the era. And then at our Downton Abbey party, I presented a few of those cocktails so that I could, I could, um, uh, you know, enter into the experience, right? And so then the Christmas later, I, I can't, when did this come out? When did Drinking with Saints come out? Drinking with the Saints came out about five years ago. Okay, so you were being interviewed on some Catholic radio channel and my husband heard about it and he thought, oh, my wife is gonna love this, right? Because mm -hmm. I really got into Prohibition era cocktails. So we basically got the book and then that year we went through it. We did dozens of them. We didn't do every drink, but we went through the whole year and we'd invite different people over to have different cocktails with us, right? So it was really cool experience. <laughs> So that was basically, uh, you know, our experience, how I connected with, um, with you and your, what you do. So I, I really would like you to kind of talk about how the book is structured. And I, I mentioned earlier, it very much looks like a Bible. It is not structured like a typical recipe book 
at all or a um uh, a bartender's book either right because it's got its very clear niche so if you want to sort of tell us about how the book's structured that would be great absolutely so both drinking with the saints and drinking with saint nick follow the liturgical year so we would we we didn't we didn't have an entry for every day of the year. Drinking with the Saints already weighs in at about 450 pages. But what I tried to do was at least have a, a feast day for every other day. Because as you know, in the, in the Catholic calendar, the, the feast actually begins the evening before. It follows the Hebrew reckoning of time. Yeah. So you could, you could observe the feast on the vigil of the feast the night before. And that way you could, you could, you could kind of, you could have a drink every day of the year, both on the vigil and on the- If on the, you want yeah. or need it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Just, yeah, it, de it depends on your pastoral needs. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I, I often wonder why I actually didn't get into this earlier. We have seven kids, but our, you know, the oldest is now 33 and we only have one at home. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the need was, wine was definitely uh, played played big in our in our life but <laughs> that's great um what i find too is is the way that the book is written it's very much a witness too right i think that it's a a witness to that faith can be uh joyful and fun and it kind of a party right and you you make one there's one comment you make in the book about wanting to kind of address that that there's this sort of liturgical ongoing party uh, universal party, you know, and we can participate in this, right? St. Ambrose has a great line that, that God gave us the various feasts of the liturgical year to relieve man's boredom. <laughs> and I, and I, I think there's a profound truth in that, that there, there's such a richness to the church calendar. Oh, there yeah. So many ways to celebrate. And Catholics also fast, but we also feast. And so it's that combination of denial and celebration that really adds uh, joy to the year. Yeah, and, uh, and aren't we just something else when, we, um, when we're in a time of fast like Lent uh, and, and there's a feast day, we're like, what? <laughs> like this has been so hard. <laughs> so when I yeah. did, when I did Drinking with St. Nick, Drinking with St. Nick is the holiday book. So we we did double down with that. We, we actually do have for St. Nick recommendations for every day of Advent and the Christmas season. Love it. So I did get a little pushback like, well, Advent, it's a penitential season. You're, true, but you can only just, you could limit it to one cup cocktail per night and that's your pen so that's, <laughs> yeah. that's or give up chocolate come on there we have <laughs> options here <laughs> right right or pray an extra decade of the rosary <laughs> oh yeah you know we don't need to legalism is a problem okay <laughs> okay elizabeth you had, you had another question yeah um okay so we know that you have written this wonderful drinking with saint nick do you have specific recommendations for some advent and christmas drinks we might want to try well, there, there, well, there's one for every day. There's so many right. to choose. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, one big feast that is coming up is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, uh, yeah. Tuesday, December 8th. And I will tell you, the best cocktail of all three books that I've written, I got Drinking with the Saints, Drinking with St. Nick, and Drinking with your patron saints, 
<laughs> the best one is called The White Lady. And I assigned it to Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, who's nice. totally pure and without stain. Um, it's, it's a high maintenance drink. Uh, it requires taking egg white and beating it for at least five minutes to get a nice froth. Right. So it, it's not a daily driver unless you really do like putting a lot of time into a cocktail. But for special occasions, like to honor Our Lady, it's, it's absolutely sublime. So, so worth our time. Absolutely. So I've made the version of the white lady without the egg white. My family's all a bit worried about the whole egg white thing. Can, no, we, not, can we not care about that? Can I give them, oh, no. <laughs> you can sign off on this. We can just not care about the whole egg white thing. No, of course not. And, you know, you have the alcohol that takes well, care exactly. of it. That was exactly my argument. <laughs> Okay, so how about a um, seasonal one that's sort of for the, the newbie? Well, gosh, it just depends what you mean by the newbie. I mean, a lot of people who don't like cocktails don't like strong flavors. They, they may want to go with something more sweet. Uh, so, the, you know, there, there are a lot of things you can do with that, with cocktails that involve liqueurs, which is a, a, a high sugar content uh, alcohol. Um, but one good drink for Advent is Bishop's Wine. It's in honor of St. Nicholas, feast day, right. December 6th. But you can, you can celebrate St. Nick uh, throughout the season. Yeah. And it's a mulled wine. So you, you take wine, oh. you add spices, you heat it. It's perfect for a cold winter's night. Uh, Bishop's Wine is a, is a good choice. Okay. Okay, good. Sounds easy, too. Oh <laughs> um Okay, so our next question, I wanted to sort of give some qualification here, because you have in Drinking with the Saints, you have a section on how to mix, right, which is, which is great. Um, so wanted to talk sort of about some fundamental supplies that would be really, if people want to kind of get into cocktail making, sort of what are we looking at? But I, I really want to um, pull out a, uh, a little story or joke that you share in this section, how to mix, because, um, because it really affected my life in a sense, right? Okay. So, so the, the, how, how you start the section, how to mix. So you may have heard the joke about the rich man who wanted to give Alexis to a religious order. If they prayed a novena for him, the Franciscans replied, sure. We'll pray a novena, but what's Alexis? The Dominicans replied, sure. We'll pray a novena, but what's Alexis? And the Jesuits said, Sure, we'll take Alexis, but what's a novena? Now, some of our audience isn't Catholic, <laughs> so they're not going to get that. But, um, you know, the Franciscans and Dominicans would be the more prayerful orders, the more um, uh, sort of down-to-earth orders. The Jesuits are kind of the heady-focused uh, order. So, um, you know, we would joke around that they would be less prayerful. Of course, we know many holy Jesuits. <laughs> But you follow it up with this. We suspect that our readers will similarly fall into two groups that do not always overlap. Those who know their way around a bar and those who know the communion of saints. And so part of what you're doing here is bridging this gap. Well, for me, I felt a little bit like a fish out of water the last few years because I was both a homeschool mom and have a very well-stocked bar. <laughs> You know, and, and so one day, it just so happened that I, I was on a Facebook group that I, you know, um, don't admin, but I was, I was uh, on it. And somebody mentioned, like, does anybody else have a glass of wine when they're, you know, whatever. And, um, uh, and so all of these women said, yeah, I do, I do. And I thought, okay, I just suddenly realized 
that there is so many mums out there who are cocktail drinkers or wine drinkers and they're also um, homeschool moms but they kind of don't fit into a typical homeschool mold and so I said hey would you guys like me to start a group for homeschool moms who drink wine and or you know tequila beer scotch whatever it is you drink and um, and within 24 hours I had 800 moms on that group That's <laughs> <Not> incredible. <laughs> so so that mix of uh, okay you know a homeschool mom and um, and you know uh, having a well-stocked bar is it's a great analogy for me because you're really you're talking here about our our readers fall into two groups which I, I think is really true right although I think there's a lot of cocktail mixer wannabes you know so so how do we get started what are the fundamental supplies we need well in terms of the kinds of alcohol to stock it really does depend on your your personal tastes yeah you know, vodka gin Bourbon, uh, these are some of the very basic things. Uh, another thing that you can do, and you, you can all build these up gradually. You don't have to just run out and break the bank. But uh, good barware is also important. The very shapes of the glasses are designed to enhance the flavor of the drink. So as I mentioned, I'm drinking a Manhattan tonight. This is in a cocktail glass. And that shape is not random. The reason why a cocktail glass is shaped like a cocktail glass is so that uh, it, it can keep the drink itself cold. You want to have your cocktails cold, like a martini. My favorite drink also, Bonnie, is a martini. Okay. But a warm martini is like turpentine. You want to be ice cold. And to keep it cold, you want the heat of your hand away from the glass. And so the cocktail glass is designed to keep the heat down here and the cold up here. Whereas a brandy snifter, which I don't have on me right now, is the opposite. It's kind of bowl-shaped. Kind of bowl-shaped. Like yeah, and you hold it like this so that the heat of your hand will warm the glass because warm brandy is good brandy. So to do just a little bit of investment in barware, and that's also part of the fun mm -hmm. of, of a cocktail culture, is the, the, the different paraphernalia that goes with things, the, the, the mixers and the shakers and the stirrers. It's, it's fun. There's, a, there's this kind of uh, inexpensive way to have a sense of glamour in your life. Yeah. Do you feel like, do we need to spend a lot on barware? Can we get inexpensive brandy snifters? Can we get inexpensive wine glasses? Does, does uh, price make a difference to our experience? <laughs> Not really. No. Um, you, you can buy inexpensive barware. Uh, there's a, there's a, a brand called Libby, which is based, used for a lot of commercial uh, bars. Barware, yeah. but you can also buy that as well. Um, uh, we, I actually have my own line of cocktail glasses. I don't know if you can see this, but what it says, "Drink what? with the Saints." Oh, <laughs> <that hurt. laughs> my adult kids teach me that word, merch, because <laughs> I'm a boomer. But anyway, <laughs> um, okay. Well, that's good to know because we had somewhere along the lines. My husband had read somewhere or was listening to an article on. Um, uh, you know that if your wine glass is less than fifteen dollars per glass, 
you know, you're, you're not going to do justice to the wine you're drinking, right? And I, I don't know, I, I have a hard time buying that. Plus, I go through like at least two glasses a week because I'm super klutzy. So, um, you know, breakage is big in our household. So I tend to buy inexpensive. I, I still go with the buy inexpensive. And okay. even with the wine glasses, you need is use different glasses for red versus white. Right. Because red is served at a warmer temperature. Uh, you want it to trap the bouquet, which has, you know, red has a stronger bouquet than white does. So, but I, I don't know about getting truly expensive glassware for wine. I, I would say pass. Yeah. Well, especially, you know, if you have six kids, just forget about that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was wondering, um, have you, do you own a smoker? Cause, um, we have a local bar here that makes smoked, I think it's old fashions and it's really fun. And I was thinking of getting my husband a smoker for, um, Christmas for, for cocktails and stuff. Um, but I don't, I don't know what a good one is. So I kind of passed. Well, Elizabeth, I live in Texas. So yes, I own a smoker. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean for food. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, in drinking with St. Nick, one of, one of my favorite recipes in drinking with St. Nick is uh, a smoked old-fashioned. And what oh. you do is you take, um, gosh, I'm blanking out now. It's uh, thyme. You, um, you take dried, no, no, excuse me, rosemary. Uh -huh. And um, it you put it in the glass, you light it on fire. What? And then you put it. another glass over it. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay. You light it on fire and then you, you put another glass on top of it to extinguish the fire, count to 10, and the smoke from the burnt rosemary infuses the drink. And it, it wow. almost looks like a witch's brew. The smoke slowly curls off of the drink and it's fantastic. Oh. Wow. Okay. So I've never even heard of this. I've never heard of smoked drinks. Is this a it's southern It's pretty thing? cool to see. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's kind of a new craze. We're, we are in, in sort of a golden age of the cocktail. People have become a lot more experimental. Yeah. And this is one of the new experiments and it, it really pays off. Um, you can buy a smoked whiskey, uh, you know, that's been roasted in a certain kind of way or prepared in a certain way, but this is a really nice way to do it. And the visual presentation is awesome. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. So what, what would you serve that in? Just like, um, like a whiskey glass? Uh, an old fashioned. Yes. Uh, okay. So you would, you would just take a standard old fashioned glass, pour your old fashioned in it and then light it up. Wow. Cool. I, the things you, the things you learn when you have a podcast. Right. <laughs> That's cool. amazing. Uh, okay. So, um, here's one of the things that I found in terms of, of a, a well-stocked bar. There's some other things that seem to be kind of important other than the actual alcohol, like bitters and things like that. Is there a sort of a good place people can start with that sort of thing? The most basic bitters to get is Angostura bitters. 
Okay. It's, uh, it, it's very popular. It, when people, when recipes call for bitters, it's usually Angostura. Okay. But again, we're entering into this kind of golden age of cocktails. All new kinds of bitters have come out. So right. for example, one way to enrich a martini is to have your basic gin and vermouth and add a dash of lemon bitters. Mm. And it really, really brightens the drink. Um, cool. Another another bitters that is is fun to find, I, I can't buy it locally here in Waco, but we can order it through Amazon, is cardamom bitters. And it uh, I add it to a Manhattan and it really enriches the drink. I bet. Okay, so a little stock of, bitters aren't terribly expensive either, right? Because they come in such small quantities. That's exactly right. And they last a long time because you yeah. only have a dash or two. Now a drink, if a drink called for bitters of some sort, could you use another type? Like if you only had an Angostura, could you use that in place of? Absolutely. Um, although you got to be careful, you wouldn't replace Angostura bitters with lemon bitters. Those are two very different flavors. Okay. You could sort of switch within the family of bitters, if you will. Okay. So it could be citrus bitters or, so what does Angostura actually mean? That's a good question. I think you stumped me on that one. I, okay. I assumed it was a, I don't know where I got this, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking it was a, a, a part of the Caribbean. Yeah, that's what um, I thought too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in terms of taste, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Okay, we'll all go rush home and look up Angostura bitters. Could we call this a renaissance of cocktails? Could we, could we go that far? <laughs> we we could that... indeed. Uh, you know, the, the cocktail has sort of ebbed and flowed in American culture. Yeah. It, did, it reached a high point during Prohibition. Yeah. And there was a very good reason for that. Uh, the, the ingredients that were available in the United States were inferior. And so the genius of a cocktail is that you can take several inferior ingredients, blend them together in just the right way to produce a superior product. Ah, okay. So, yeah, this is my understanding of, the, of one of the reasons why cocktails came to the forefront. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You had another golden age during the sort of Rat Pack era of the 50s yeah. and 60s. Things kind of took a downturn in the 70s. You only had the sort of Harvey Wallbanger. Yeah, well, the 70s, I've heard quoted as the time that taste forgot. <laughs> I think that's true. I think that's true. I wondered if this was sort of a cocktail renaissance, and I, I think it is. I think we're there. Yeah, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. It, yeah. it started a few years ago, and... People are becoming more experimental and uh, all new kinds of recipes have been invented and old recipes have been rediscovered. Yeah. Uh, Prohibition era drinks that no, people had forgotten about for 80 years are suddenly very much in vogue. So it, it is a fun time to get into cocktails. Oh, it's a sure. great time to be over 21. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite cocktail? Well, my daily favorite is simply the martini. Uh, okay. I enjoy learning about hundreds of other cocktails in the process of researching these books. Yeah. But there's, yeah. The, the martini is the king of the cocktail. It's, it's simple. Really it, it delivers. Uh, it's, uh, it's a good drink. 
Yeah. Um, but but the white white lady is probably the best, like the one I mentioned, uh, you know, earlier right. in our conversation. Okay, because a, a martini is not for the faint of heart. Okay, let's be honest. <laughs> the first time I had a martini, I was about, I don't know, maybe 22. And a friend of mine took me out and she said, you have to finish two martinis in order to like martinis for the rest of your life. So I drank two martinis and I did, I was hooked, right? Oh. Yeah, she just like, you have to just kind of see where a martini takes you. <laughs> it's a good place. It's a totally different experience than drinking wine or something else. Yeah. yeah. I want to come you know, back and circle back around to martinis, but I have a, um, oh yeah, you know, my favorite cocktail was one of the ones I made for this Downton Abbey party and it's, it's the sidecar. Oh yes, that's a good one. Yeah, a nice starter for people because it's got a bit of sweet, a bit of tang, and, and it's not a, you know, it's, um, have you ever heard this quote, cocktails are dangerous because they taste like juice and then you can't walk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the I side part, for sure, right? I have a right? funny story about that. Uh, my go-to drink at a restaurant is usually a Long Island, just because they're... Oh. If I'm going to go to a restaurant and eat, I'm going to kind of go big, right? Yeah. And But usually, you know, we'll go to restaurants like Applebee's or stuff where it, they're just very mild Long Islands. Well, we were vacationing with my in-laws up north um, at, um, oh, I'm Mackinac. And um, I ordered a Long Island and I had barely drank a couple sips and I was gone. And I kept, I was laughing hysterically. I kept looking at my husband and I kept saying, I'm so sorry. Because I, you know, here I am in front of my in-laws and, and my kids and I'm just laughing about nothing. When, when I was a kid, my parents took us out for a birthday dinner one time and my mom always ordered a Singapore sling. That was her drink of choice, right? So I guess that was another 70s kind of cocktail. Um, and my brother ordered a Shirley Temple, uh, but they look, you know, almost identical. So they mixed the drinks up. They gave my brother the, the Singapore sling. <laughs> oh, no. And his face got redder and redder and he was kind of giggly. And, and um, my mom kind of clued in that, uh, oh, wait, wait a second. There's a problem here. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, okay. You had a question, Elizabeth, relevant to, you know, having small children and our Catholic right. Um, do you have any recommendations for best mocktails, you know, especially for women who are expecting or just don't drink, but want to experience a cocktail like drink? You know, that's a great question. And unfortunately I don't have a good answer. Um, mocktails are becoming the new thing, uh, at least, well, it's funny. They were becoming the new thing before COVID. Right. And when COVID hit, alcohol sales went up 30%. <laughs> we all started day drinking. That's what happened. <laughs> but they, they, oh they my was this, so I don't know where the mocktail is right now, but they, they, at least a year ago, they were, they were becoming a big thing. And you can actually buy, and I've had a couple of them, you can buy little bottles of these pre-made mocktails and oh. they are very good. They're very flavorful and complex. The problem is they're, they're pretty expensive. It's, yeah. it's more expensive than just buying the real thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, so I, unfortunately I don't really know what to recommend. 
Okay, well, we'll find some mocktail resource maybe and, and uh, include that in our show notes. Um, the, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, we often serve the kids bubbly water with like a squeeze of lemon or something fancy and a little bit of grenadine in it. That's, you know, that's what we find is sort of a good go-to. So they feel like they're having something really fancy. Grenadine is to me an absolute essential in the bar because if anybody doesn't like the cocktail you're serving them, because it's too dry or, or whatever, you just add a little grenadine. <laughs> And then they drink it. We actually have a, whole, uh, a cocktail we made up um, at our, we run a homeschool camp every year. And uh, so it's called the homeschool mom. And it's, uh, it, was, it was a cocktail of necessity because we ended up being delivered in our grocery delivery for this camp, a case of grapefruit juice and kids don't like grapefruit juice. Um, so it was a third gin um, and a third grapefruit juice and a third tonic. Uh, and it was, it's really nice. It's a nice combo. Uh, but for the newbies who that was just a little too ginny and grapefruity, we just would put in a, a squirt of grenadine and then they would drink it. <laughs> I like it. It was oh, good. When I, another, when I quick, another quick option is yeah. again during the Christmas season, mulled wine. That yeah. if you, if you boil the wine for about five minutes, it actually removes most of the alcohol. Oh, so that's something little kids can, you know, just get a, give them a small portion, let them sip on it. It, it, right. it will not intoxicate them. Yeah. Great idea. I have to just back to the grenadine for a second. Um, I don't know how many of our listeners are office fans. I'm a big office <laughs> fan. And the main character, Michael Scott, is at um, a bar and the bartender said, what's your drink? And he says, grenadine. And he turns to continue having a conversation. He just drinks grenadine. <laughs> I'm an office fan as well. Yeah, he's, he's perfectly clueless when it comes to uh, cocktail culture. Right, right. I think at one point he drinks scotch and asks for more Splenda to add to it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I have a couple of questions. Okay, first of all, if you were going to say, if you're starting out on a very, very simple cocktail, what, what would it be? Like if, you, if this is a brand new thing, what would you recommend? If you rec recommend a right la white lady, which is a little high maintenance, your favorite is the martini, which is, you know, not for the faint of heart. Could the, was there a cocktail that you would say, okay, this would be a good starter that almost everybody would like and would be kind of a good for the person's just stepping into this world? Good question. Like you and I have just discussed, the, the martini may hit you a little hard. Uh, so that may not be the ideal starter. Uh, an old fashioned is a delightful drink. Okay. It is uh, rye or bourbon with simple syrup, which is equal parts sugar and water. You can buy it in the store, but it's easy to make at home and a dash of bitters. So it's not, it's not too, uh, it's, it's certainly not cloying. Okay. Um, it's got a certain amount of complexity to it, um, but it's, uh, it's also not too harsh because of that simple syrup. And you can sweeten it to taste. Uh, okay. I, I tend to like things a little less on the sweet side, but yeah, if, you, if you need to start someone out, you may wanna go a little heavy on the sweet side. And uh, so that would be one, right. one recommendation. Um, so the other thing we can play with then when we're starting yeah. out, right? If we're making an old fashioned, we can just sweeten it up a little bit. That's, That's exactly right. Have, right. Um, I also liked your earlier recommendation of a sidecar. Yeah. Easy, Drinks, really easy. 
drinks with lemon juice yeah. are really good. And yeah. um, I always recommend, I, I try not to be a snob about things. You don't need to buy top shelf alcohol, but there are some things where you don't want to compromise. Fresh lemon juice is so much better than store-bought. Yeah. Uh, it's, in a, it's less acidic and is slightly sweeter. Yeah. And so it, it enriches the drink in a really marvelous way. I concur. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I think it was something you said in your book that made me think, okay, yeah, I gotta, I gotta do the real lemon and lime thing. Yeah. Costco bag of lemons, Costco bag of lemons. <laughs> <laughs> um, <for> the <laughs> Costco bottle of vodka lasts a long time too. Oh, see, we don't get that in Canada. No alcohol at Costco. Oh no. Oh. But you know, I live in an area where I live in a um, Vancouver Island. So it's a really foodie area. We have a ton of local distilleries and local, um, you know, like people who make bitters locally and things like that. Like there's a lot of that around. Hey, how far is Waco from Houston? Uh, it is about a two and a half hour drive. Okay. Cause there's a bar in Houston. I was in Houston um, at a speaking at a conference a couple of years ago. And um, there's a bar in Houston that was the most incredible cocktail bar I'd ever been to. Have you been to Anvil? No, I haven't. I'll have to check oh that out. Oh my gosh. Yeah, check it out. It was it was phenomenal. Okay, so I have a couple of questions that I are, are sort of come to my mind as we've been talking. One is, if you're going to go the martini route, and you give great sort of tips on, on um, you know, making a martini in here and making a, a good cocktail, um, the quality of olives is pretty fundamental to to a uh, to a um, martini wouldn't you say oh absolutely unless yeah. you like it with a, a lemon twist yeah i don't but i <laughs> 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 but i found i tried using cheap olives and i thought oh wow okay this is the big difference between like a good you know a good cocktail bar um martini and uh a um you know, homemade one to buy good olives, right? Pretty good fun. olives are important. The other thing I would recommend is good vermouth. Yeah. Um, so my, my daily gin is, is simply Gordon's. It's, it's okay. not the bot. I tend to, when I buy alcohol, I tend to look for the middle shelf. Right. The, the top shelf I think is too precious for yeah. often for use in a cocktail. The bottom shelf is almost irredeemable. Right. So the, 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 <laughs> The middle shelf is is kind of the you know the the Goldilocks position to be in. Gotcha. Um, but I found that if you spend just a couple bucks more on the dry vermouth, it really uh, improves the drink. And we just my wife and I, Alexander, discovered Dolan, Dolan wow. dry vermouth. Wow. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, it's okay. it's good stuff. Okay. It, it's a couple bucks more than Martini and Rossi, um, but it's worth it. Okay. Well, I was told that you should just take a good gin and wave it in the general direction of Italy. <laughs> 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 so that's an option too. Uh, so a, a couple other things, and this is, I'm just going to sort of go into wine for just a moment here, if I can um, impose on your time, just a favorite white and red that would be sort of a mid-range price that would be good for the holidays, your serving company, you know, back when in the days when we were able to have company and, you know, maybe we can have company again one day. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what would be your favorite white or and or red? Oh, gosh. 
You know, just there's so many options, Bonnie, with wines. Um, my personal preference, I like heartier reds. Mm -hmm. I love Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. Uh, Merlot would be my second choice. Um, and I kind of lean in the same way for the, the less sweet whites, uh, like a Chardonnay. Yeah. A good oaky Chardonnay. Um, gosh, there, there are just so many good options. The, the, the California wine industry is amazing, but so we're getting good. great works uh, from Argentina and Chile. Um, here in my adopted state of Texas, uh, wineries are exploding. Uh, it's it's insane uh, the, the number of new wineries that are that are coming up in in Texas. So, yeah, uh, it's it's an embarrassment of riches. There's there's a lot to choose from, but the good news is you can find affordable wine. Yeah, yeah, especially in the U.S. Our our liquor tax here in Canada is really high, mm. but we are just blown away at what you can get wine for uh, in the U.S. It's incredible. Yeah. And in Europe, like you go to Europe and, you know, $3, <laughs> three euros for a bottle of wine. And it's great wine, right? Yeah. yeah well, I, I lived in Rome for a summer nice. uh, in 2005. And uh, I could have a very good bottle of red Italian wine for $1. Wow. Incredible. That's great. <laughs> we don't actually think of Rome, Lazio area as a wine region, but it is. And it's all available, even if it's yeah. not a wine region. Yeah. You know, every, every, all, everything's well stocked. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Okay, what did I have my... Uh, oh, I wanted to actually share um, my favorite drink out of your book, which I discovered from using your book, which is... Uh, blows me away because I'm not... I don't really care for sweet drinks that much, but mm -hmm. this particular drink is amazing. It's called the Velvet Hammer. Ah. Ah. Uh, well, that's become our Christmas drink, like Christmas day. That's what I serve, right? Nice. It's like dessert. So it's, it's vodka, cream, and creme de cacao. Yeah. Uh, shaken with ice in a car. It is unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. My husband, um, during this time of year, my favorite drink is actually the white Russian, which is, oh, yeah. vo is it vodka, Kahlua, and half and half. Yes. Um, but during this time of year, he'll actually crush up candy canes and put it on the rim, which is a really nice touch. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, that's a good husband. <laughs> you, you and so, he need to invent a name for that and market yeah. it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you totally should. Um, okay, so Michael, we're going to put all of your links um, in our show notes, and I'm very excited to um, to share with people, of course, uh, that you now you have merch. So that's that's a really big deal. <laughs> okay, well, I would like to uh, point people. Then we'll in the show notes we'll add in your links. Uh, but if you want to just say verbally where we can find you, that would be great. So please like us and follow us on the Drinking with the Saints Facebook page, and then we also have DrinkingWithTheSaints.com where the merch uh, is available. We've got martini glasses, uh, aprons. We have uh, wine charm sets that are saints medals. I, that is brilliant. Cool. I saw those. <laughs> so you just remember who your saint is for the night. You attach that to your glass and you will not only not drink some, somebody else's glass, but you will have a patron for the night. That's wow. awesome. That's I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fantastic. And then um, you're, you're just michaelfoley.com? 
something.org. Yeah, it's it's yeah. michaelpfoley.info. Info. Okay, yeah. great. And then the drinkingwiththesaints.com website is probably the more relevant. Okay, that's terrific. Well, thank you so much. This has been absolutely lovely. And um, uh, I'll point people to my Facebook page as well, uh, Homeschool Moms Who Drink Wine, for those of you who do and, <laughs> and have not yet um, uh, joined us there. Fully half of that group is Catholic. Very good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Michael. And uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch for sure. We might have to address this at another uh, beautiful season of the year. Yes. That sounds good. Thank you both. This was lovely. Thank okay. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.